So, yeah, welcome, guys. Uh, it's uh, Claire and Terry here with our fourth podcast. Um, today, I'd like to welcome Rhys Lloyd from uh, Leeway Domestic Abuse Services. Welcome, Rhys. Hello, thank you for having me on. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, as you may well know, and to all our uh, listeners out there, so uh, Terry and I have been doing regular podcasts now um, just to talk about what's going on for services um, in this area and um, how services have coped with COVID-19. Um, so uh, I think the first thing to do is just... Um, ask you Reese, if you could give us an overall um, bit of information about what Leeway offer. Yes absolutely uh, so Leeway is a specialist domestic abuse charity um, we've got services in both Norfolk and Suffolk and really the kind of aim of all of our services is to empower those that we support to make independent decisions about their life and their future. Uh, so there's a a range of services that they can access. So for instance, we've got eight refuges. Uh, we have like community-based support, which is largely around kind of like one-to-ones, group sessions, um, drop-ins, and that's all kind of really focused around general kind of advice, safety planning, advice on finances, housing, uh, all that kind of thing. Um, we've got an advice and support phone line. So this is kind of like the, really the first port of call for many people who uh, are experiencing domestic abuse, um, they'll perhaps just want adv just general advice. Uh, for instance, they might they might sort of think, "Well, this is happening in my relationship. I'm not sure if it's domestic abuse. So I contacted you." That kind of thing, just really to kind of get general advice, support, um, or or they could want to access a specific service. Um, we also have a dedicated children and young people's outreach team. Uh, so they work directly with the children, both in uh, refuges and also in schools as well. Um, so this really kind of helps uh, children to come to come to terms with their experiences, yeah. uh, because obviously it's a bit of a it's, it's quite daunting, uh, really, for children. They might, and particularly like the younger ones, they might not understand what's going on. Uh, they might have kind of like various emotions that they don't quite know how to express. So uh, the team kind of help them express these emotions in a in a kind of positive way um, by perhaps using uh, like different thing, different ways, kind of like arts and crafts uh, through play, through and just talking as well, like. Uh, as well just kind of like shared it sharing the experiences that they've had and helping them to kind of uh really just come to terms with them and help them to kind of move on and uh and also to limit some of the short and long-term impacts that it may have on them um we also have a male victim service uh which uh supports men so that's a dedicated helpline and a dedicated worker um for that, uh, we also have we also have training, uh, so that's quite a big part of what we do. Uh, so it's really just generally around raising awareness of domestic abuse, improving understanding, and helping organisations and businesses to be able to respond effectively um, to any staff or colleagues that may be experiencing domestic abuse. Um, 
and we sort of help them put together policies as well so it ensures that they're able to sort of commit to their duty of care to their staff as well so that's all all really exciting and that's something that despite the difficult situation in the world at the minute we're still sort of able to kind of deliver fortunately uh through the technology that uh, is available to us nowadays mm-hmm. so that's been good um and then uh we have our IDVA, our IDVA service um so that's a essentially multi-agency support for those that are classed as high risk of um serious harm uh so that's essentially like a when I say multi-agency, that's bringing together a lot of different organisations, yeah, such as like police, health um, services, um, like housing, uh, ch- uh, children's services, all, all those kind of um, services. So everything is centred around ensuring that a person is safe and um, also any children are safe too. And, and also like helping helps them through any like court process or anything like that as well. Um, and then also one of our newest um, projects is called Project Safety Net Plus. Um, this is specific support for those from different countries uh, and it provides the support in a language that they're familiar with. Um, because if you're from a different country and you're living in the UK, uh, your English might not be great and that could potentially be a barrier to accessing support which it 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 can be quite quite sort of daunting um when you need support but you perhaps you're not confident enough in your english to access it so yeah it's um it's really um a case of providing support to those in a in a language they're confident with so they can they're kind of not they don't have that route to support blocked off which is really important because otherwise, as I'm sure you're aware, um, if they if they feel like they can't access support, they're probably quite likely to stay yeah. uh, with a perpetrator, which is obviously increasing their risk of harm. Um, but yeah, and, and then I, I sort of our final one that I've not mentioned um, is another fairly new one. Uh, it's called the Anchor Project. Uh, which this essentially enables us to support those kind of additional needs. Uh, so it could be like um, alcohol or drug dependency or mental health issues. And um, through that, we've got funding to uh, spot purchase accommodation. So uh, it's quite good in that respect. It's it's kind of, it's, it is essentially an, an extension to, the refuge provisions that we also have so yeah we've got quite a lot of services on those it's a large range of services can we just um terry have you got any questions um yeah i was just going to say obviously um it is an incredible range of services that you offer um but my understanding is the offering in the, the offer in suffolk is 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 more limited obviously um and i just wanted to just clarify that so that um our champions who are supporting um victim survivors in suffolk know exactly what leeway where leeway fit into that support system i suppose so um just really to clarify what what leeway do in in in, in the suffolk space yes absolutely um in Suffolk, uh, at the minute, we uh, run the IDVA service and we also offer Project Safety Net Plus. 
um, which is the uh, service for those who whose first language isn't uh, yeah. English. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's good to sort of offer services in Suffolk as well. Uh, obviously, primarily we've got more services in Norfolk, but I mean it's it's good it's it's good to be able to provide services absolutely and the safety net plus just to clarify the 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 clients the victim survivors that accessing that they don't have to be um they don't have to have been assessed as high risk and fit within the idva criteria that's a separate it's a separate offering is that my is is that my understanding yes yeah yeah yeah. so essentially um project safety net plus it's it's essentially um it's advice in a language that they understand um and essentially it can be anything from like phone support, um, one-to-one support, um, general kind of advice on perhaps like immigrations, yeah. immigration options, because for instance, um, they might have kind of been threatened to have that Absolutely. their kind of immigration situation used against yeah. them by a perpetrator. Um, it could be kind of information on access and like short-term accommodation uh, or just, kind of just general advice on various things such as safety yeah. planning just anything that kind of that they kind of really find useful. would be useful to their situation and just being able to do that in their own language is just must be such a must be such a relief for them not to have to worry about being misunderstood or um yeah not being able to make themselves understood in the way express what they want to express so it's a brilliant service um and how would how would people refer to that project yes yeah, so essentially uh, it's just either ring our advice and support okay. line, which is 0300 561 0077, uh, or you can access it via email. Um, we've got an advice and support email address, which is advice and support, uh, that's all one word, and that's at leeway, N-W-A, org, um, dot UK. So, yeah, I mean, that that's the kind of main way to... Uh, kind of referring to it if you if you kind of got someone that you think uh, would benefit from that service I, th- I believe the uh languages that we have just about uh, to ask that <laughs> I, I think they've got uh russian portuguese lithuanian um polish romanian and Think there's, there's always one more that we never remember. <laughs> there's Whenever one. Terry and I deliver the training, we always can't remember the last one. <laughs> but I mean, uh, from a from an idva, because obviously, I'm an idva myself, and um, I would say that the Safety Net Plus service has been super supportive to us idvas who have victims who do speak other languages. Just makes things so much more comfortable for them to be able to speak to someone their own language um, and to receive that kind of support. So um, from from the IDVA's point of view, we've definitely found it hugely supportive to our victims. And just going on to um, the IDVA service, because of just in case anybody doesn't know, and I'm sure hopefully our champions are aware, but the IDVA stands for Independent Domestic Violence Advisors. Um, and um, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add about that, Reese. I mean, ha- we, we're at, currently at the moment, what we deal with is we deal with high-risk victims of domestic abuse. Um, I think one of the questions that we had was, how do professionals refer into that high-risk service? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so essentially, it's 
everything that's kind of referred into the id for service comes um through the Marrick process um so that's the multi-agency risk assessment conference um so um someone might be referred to that via uh, so if say for instance someone rang up our advice and support line and you do the risk assessment checklist and if they return a certain number then they will um get referred yeah, to four, that 14 um, ticks plus isn't it so anything that's above 14 ticks uh is potentially assessed as high risk um and obviously there is the professional judgment so if people are extremely concerned but it hasn't reached 14 ticks um then they need to evidence why they're concerned professionally what their professional judgment is yeah absolutely so es essentially the the for someone to be classed as high risk it, it would be a case of that you'd think that there's a high risk of significant harm or or homicide yeah. um and so obviously that's where you get the multi-agency response in and and like from leeway's point of view um the RIDVAS, uh, they kind of act as a single point of contact mm -hmm. uh, to coordinate the multi-agency response. Um, so obviously it's then about assessing the safety and security mm -hmm. of that person and their family. Yeah. And then it's kind of putting plans in place to ensure that they are safe, they're protected. And 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 it's, it's really kind of essentially working with partner organisations to ensure that that continues to be mm -hmm. the case mm -hmm. and they also offer the um uh, on-call service as well which is mainly related and um, with the police so that on-call service is only uh, available to the police to make contact with the on-call idva to discuss any cases that they've had coming up that they're concerned about or they're worried for the welfare of of a victim and they may want us to make contact with them um and I can say that because I was on call this weekend and it's been extremely busy. <laughs> um, Terry, is there anything else you wanted to ask? Well, it leads quite nicely, Claire, what you've just said there. So really, really, Reese, all I was going to just ask was obviously the, the press um, over the last, I think we're on 18 weeks now since we locked down. So um, the press over the last 18 weeks have obviously um, been... Um, reporting an increase in domestic abuse and um, obviously we've had an increase in the number of, of homicides um, and really I just wanted to just get a feel from you as to whether or not that was reflected did you had you had you seen that in terms of referrals or have you seen any changes in the types of abuse that survivors and victims are, are experiencing is there anything that Covid has inf um, had an impact in terms of, of what leeways what leeways delivering in Suffolk? Yeah, I think obviously uh, it's it's been a very challenging period, as it has been for um, many organisations. But I think um, obviously, particularly with a lot of the work we do, uh, where it's kind of like face to face contact, that's really had yeah. to change. So it's kind of been a, everyone's been around uh, continuing to provide support, but through kind of use of technology. Um, so whether that's kind of like skyping, video calling. Um, picking up a phone and speaking to someone on, over the phone emailing or any kind of inventive way of supporting someone that we can find that also sticks to the yeah. government's social distancing guidelines um so yeah it's it's obviously been a bit of a challenge because it's like 
completely changing the way you work yeah. overnight. Um, and for some people who perhaps maybe technology isn't their, their <laughs> forte, that can be a challenge in <laughs> itself. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been difficult, but I think um, obviously the primary focus is to still ensure that we can deliver the best possible service despite the challenges that we have and I think you know it's it's been a credit to everyone that we've still managed to do that and I think certainly the feedback that we've had um from various people has been has been really good and and really positive so I think that's been that's been really good Um, certainly from Edward's certainly from Edward's point of view we've had to strategically think about when's when's the when's a safe when's when it's safe to speak to victims and most of the time that comes from actually the victims themselves they're quite um capable of saying you know it's not safe it is safe or a good time to call is when i'm taking the dog for a walk or those kind of things so um you know it's just about making sure we are able to offer that service which is suitable for people um, and what meets and to help meet their needs, basically. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think you're right, Reese. We've all had to think out of the box a little bit, um, but ensure that we're still offering that service and ensuring that people still know that that service is still being offered and it's still out there for people. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think as well. Um, like like you mentioned there. Um, with the lockdown i think because people's routines have often changed and people haven't been working i think um obviously for someone experiencing domestic abuse that's been particularly hard because home isn't a safe place um for because for a lot of people they'd probably just be like oh excellent i get to spend time at home but for someone experiencing domestic abuse that's their worst case scenario and i think if you're if you're stuck at home and the perpetrator's also at home that really does limit the kind of opportunities yeah. to potentially access yeah. support. Um, so that that's a challenge in itself, and it and just picking up a phone and speaking to a support agency yeah. sometimes it, it's it's hard because it's you, it's not it it's just yeah. not safe in a lot of cases because if if you're making a call, it's and say the perpetrator's in the next room, you know that it, the chances are they might hear what you're talking about and and it increases the risk of harm. Uh, so that that's added challenges in itself. Um, obviously now lockdown measures are slowly starting to be uh, relaxed and eased a bit and people are starting to go back to work. Um, that perhaps does maybe um, re- reduce that for, in some cases, but I think as well it's it's like because things still aren't aren't quite how they normally would be I think it's still quite a, a, a difficult and challenging time yeah. uh, it, perhaps even more so than it already is because I think just generally speaking with domestic abuse I think it's it's hard enough for someone to kind of pluck up the courage to uh, contact support because I think there's always that kind of feeling of will I be yeah. believed yeah. Uh, and I I think also because of the nature of like coercive control, you're kind of it's it's kind of almost ingrained into you that you won't yeah. be believed or oh it's just it's just me it's I'm not being a good enough partner or something like that. 
the, uh, the so, narrative yes. that you've been fed by your partner so you know that's that's potentially where that that's coming from isn't it and would, so would you say that actually there's been a rise um in referrals as lockdown as we're coming out of lockdown I think um, certainly just from looking at our sort of statistics, I think generally um, the numbers of people contacting our advice and support line, um, sort of, I think this this based on April and May this year, um, I think it was about up three hundred percent compared to the previous the previous year. So I mean that's it's quite a considerable wow. um, yeah. jump. Um, obviously, we have got some new services in that time but I think at, at the same time I think the, the figures are just so high it's uh, it's it's bound coronavirus bound to have have had an impact yeah. on that um I think uh generally speaking um the referrals to the id for service have gradually increased over the period yeah. of lockdown so um perhaps that kind of indicates uh the way things have started to slowly kind of move and progress out yes. of out yeah. of lockdown a bit. I think so, like I think Terry and I have had this discussion before and I think I, everybody was just adjusting to the to the new the new way of living and the fact that they are together partners are together and don't have the opportunity to have that space therefore they're just coping with that so there's no opportunity to speak to people or ask as um, I think as now things are starting to move and people start going back to work, there's opportunity for victims to have some breathing space and perhaps that opportunity to pick up the phone as well. Um, I, 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 I something that we truly believe that domestic abuse hasn't risen in the sense that um, it's no, it has it hasn't got worse because of COVID nineteen. Um, we just feel that um, the 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 types of um, uh, incidents are more severe, and um, it's just coming out. It's coming out now. We're finding out more about what's been going on. Um, we we kind of feel like we didn't want to bl- blame COVID-19 and so all of a sudden people are choosing to be abusive. Um, <laughs> it's always been there. Um, domestic abuse yeah. hasn't got, hasn't, you know, suddenly got worse. It's always been there. It's just that this is COVID-19 has brought it to the for- forefront. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it, if it's just kind of highlighted it really. And I think that's kind of been reflected on a lot of the media coverage that it's had around and it, I know certainly like on the national news, the local news, um, particularly at the start of lockdown, it was almost kind of like yeah. a daily, yeah. daily thing that they'd kind of put something out. And, and I think that's, that has been one of the positives of it. I think um, whilst it's a shame that it has kind of taken a global pandemic <laughs> to kind of highlight domestic abuse of it, um, it, it is good that it's had a kind of increased coverage. And I think, I would hope at least that people are perhaps a little bit more aware of domestic abuse than perhaps they might have been say at the start of the year um but like I say I mean just just because coronavirus is here it doesn't mean that domestic abuse didn't exist absolutely and it's not going to suddenly get better because if coronavirus gets better absolutely yeah I I think if anything it's it's like this 
this kind of coronavirus pandemic has kind of made people realise that actually there's a domestic yes. abuse pandemic that's kind of just been going on all the while, but perhaps people just haven't noticed or or they've not wanted to notice. I yeah. Think, in some cases, because I think it's it is a difficult topic for a lot of people to yeah. talk about because I think there still is that attitude that oh it's it's just a domestic and they kind of think oh it, it only really involves the two people who it's between and I think that people perhaps have a a bit of a an attitude or don't necessarily want to get involved or perhaps none of their business I, I think as well yeah yeah and I think um certainly from like the training that we do a lot of it is kind of about trying to highlight to people that actually domestic abuse is everyone's yeah. business because you know you look at the figures and I think it's sort of worldwide I believe it's about one in three women and one yeah. in five men experience it in their lifetime so I mean the chances are that everyone will probably know a family member or friend that will have experienced it at some point or will experiencing it will experience it at some point so it's kind of something that you kind of got to get in your mind that actually it does affect me and so it's like you know what can I do to kind of help um can I can I raise awareness can I I don't know what every once in a while sort of just even if it's just something like on on Facebook just putting out the numbers for the national helpline or the local helpline to you it's it's amazing just how many people that could Mm -hmm. reach I mean I, I certainly know just from kind of at the start of lockdown on our Facebook uh we just kind of kept trying to find different ways to put a help help line number out there i think i saw um, i think i saw morrison's put they were putting the national helpline on the on their receipts which i thought was brilliant you know yeah and i I think tesco might have done something similar too which is is really encouraging and i think because i think um often at well because at the minute I, i suppose at the start of lockdown they were pretty much the only sort of shops that were open so and that that's kind of like an ideal time perhaps for someone who is experiencing uh, domestic abuse to kind of access support if if they kind of think this is my kind of the only opportunity I've got where I might be free for the rest yeah. of the week yeah this is my kind of window of opportunity to contact uh, someone uh, so it's yeah it's fantastic to to see them kind of put the numbers on there and I, I know like uh, boots and um I think Superdrug as well, they've opened yes. out um, the consultation rooms in their pharmacies. Yeah, have their space, safe, uh, safe spaces. And I think Morrison's have safe space as well. I think they've also um, created the same thing. So, Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's fantastic to see a lot of organi- a lot of businesses really kind of uh, take Absolutely. a proactive approach to it. And I think it's, it's something that you hope will continue yeah, after all definitely. of this. Um, uh, but I think... Uh, obviously throughout the lockdown period it it has been it has been challenging but it, there have also been been positives like i say with the increased awareness Absolutely. of domestic abuse and, and also just from kind of like a fundraising perspective i know we've had a great response um sort of just don't whether it's people raising money for us whether it's people dropping off like essential items oh, i think we've had like communities sort of put together like food parcels with just tins of 
food that will be handy for whether it's people in refuge, people in the community, uh, and also just like toiletry bits and pieces because, like for instance, someone that suddenly just comes to refuge, they probably won't have a lot of those just what you'd class as everyday items that you perhaps you wouldn't think sort of twice about having, but for them when they've perhaps just fled with nothing more than the clothes that they're yeah. wearing, it's just it's it's a massive lift for them to have those kind of items and it's it's fantastic that kind of the whole community has really kind of come together throughout all this and again I I, I say this perhaps more hopeful than anything else I really hope that that's something continue. that can kind of continue after yeah, this. I yeah. agree. Um, I just had one final question Rhys uh, with regards to your training is that offered only to a staff or can that be offered elsewhere? Yeah, um, so um, all of our staff receive our training, but we do train uh, outside organisations and businesses and uh, also individuals as well. Um, So I I believe recently we've been, I think we've trained uh, some staff at banks. Right, okay. And do you you reach out as far as Suffolk for that? Like if somebody saw your, uh, if they went onto your website and they saw the training on there, um, would they be able to, would they be able, if they were based in Suffolk, would they be able to, is that something they might be able to be able to attend? Yes, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, our training is quite flexible. Uh, we we do have like a set training kind of program that we run or we would usually run at our <laughs> yeah. head, head office <laughs> um, but um, yeah no I've, I've, we're we're very happy to kind of do like kind of bespoke training as well that's so, great I'm just I'm, I'm just instance, thinking of our champs champions who've done our training but perhaps want to do some other training as well I mean we Terry and I would always encourage anybody to get as much um experience and knowledge as possible really yeah so i mean for instance if someone was working at at an organization say for instance a bank and um perhaps they thought actually it might be might be useful if i had some more training or some of my colleagues had this training as well like it can be kind of tailored specific to the organization as well so for instance for banks we could have us it could focus a bit more on like financial abuse and how you might be able to kind of the kind of spot that someone might be experiencing yeah. that those, um, those warning so, yeah. signs and signals yeah yeah and then as as well it's it's like we do stuff like um helping businesses and organizations put together like policies and procedures around domestic abuse so perhaps um yeah just, uh, it's it's kind of like an extension of uh, a duty of yeah. care but um it, yeah it's kind of just helping them to understand domestic abuse helping them to understand the impacts it has and and perhaps also like why someone who is experiencing domestic abuse might say need time off work to mm. sort various things out because that's that's something that we've always kind of been quite keen to um keen to kind of get across and i know uh with the domestic abuse bill that's kind of been going through uh parliament lately that's something that we've always said in our responses to the various consultations there have been we kind of said well actually you know we feel that 
this country should follow the lead of others and kind of give um, people who are experiencing domestic abuse, giving them sort of paid leave so they can do all those kind yeah. of things. Because I think otherwise it's, I think you tend to find that those people then lose jobs or end up perhaps having to give up because they just think oh, I've got so much to sort and I don't have the time but I... or yeah it, there's there's so many different complications and I think just something like that would be a massive boost then but yeah so I went off for a bit of a tangent <laughs> that's brilliant thank you Reese. uh Terry do you have any other questions um no no I don't think so no I think think fairly comprehensively I just wanted to kind of say yeah, thank you to Reese and um, just to sort of just say that you know we're trying to have a conversation with most of the support services that are available in Suffolk so that Claire and I give a really top line um, outline of what we think the services offer but it's really helpful to talk to people who actually work for those services to get more of an in-depth idea of you know what they're offering and also particularly what they're offering now um, in terms of you know dealing with COVID and um, potentially the new normal and how how that's going to look going forward, which I don't think any of us really know yet, but um, everyone's busy busy adapting what they do. So um, yeah, just to say thank you and um, watch your space for more information about all the other brilliant services as well that we've got in Suffolk too. So yeah, yeah. thank you ever so much, Rhys, and um, uh, keep up all the good mm. work. It's uh, a lot. There's a lot being offered there from Lee Ray, so that's great to hear yeah so thanks ever so much reese thank you very much no you're me. very welcome all right guys <laughs> okay take care thanks. See you soon. bye take care bye